we are going to close out this series that I've been teaching on for, this is the fifth week. And uh, this today is probably going to be a little bit more of a teaching than a preaching. I'm just going to talk with you. Is that okay? Can we just talk today? We're just going to talk today. Um, it's been a, a great, I think, eye-opening. I believe it's been a rhema word. I believe it's been a seasonal word from the Lord to us. Um, believe it's been stirring our hearts, waking us up. Uh, God's moving. Uh, behind the scenes, we've been talking about signs and wonders that are going to take place. God answering prayer already. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, we've had a few answers to prayer uh, that have taken place. Pretty miraculous things, some cool things that have happened. Unfortunately, they're all very private issues and situations that I can't really talk about. Uh, when you're when you're counseling with families and dealing with things and and, uh, and, and you're praying specifically for things when I'm, when I'm doing my prayer walk. I told Wednesday night, told Wednesday night I like to do my, my prayer walk around Covington and pray for all of you, but I like it better when it's raining and I get to drive around Covington and pray for you. <laughs> That's good when you're just driving around in my air-conditioned, climate-controlled vehicle, comfortable, rather than humidity. Praying for needs and, and hearing that God's moving is exciting, folks. I'm thrilled what God is doing. Even yesterday, uh, a, a blessing. Can I share a blessing with you real quick? One I can share because I have permission to share it. Is that okay? I, uh, we, we had our, our prayer partners prayer retreat yesterday, and we were praying for our church family and church needs. And, and uh, we, had, we broke up into individuals and spent, we spent several hours, a few hours at least, probably close to four hours in prayer yesterday. And uh, in that time period, we had our, our list of people that attend our church, and everybody in here that I can think of was on that list. And we prayed over you, we prayed over your family, over your children uh, individually. And uh, I come home, and, and I come home and I open up Facebook, because that's what we do when we get home, right? We open up Facebook. I had a message from Julie Creek. Uh, Tom and Julie aren't here a lot on Sundays because... He, they've had some, some changes in, in his work and, and how they are, are, are making their income now. And they're traveling a lot more and doing shows and gone away from us. And, and Tom and Julie love the Lord and are, are an awesome part of this church and we love them dearly. But Julie sent me a message and said they couldn't figure out why yesterday, uh, but they had sold, had the biggest day of sales that they've ever had at one of their shows and they had just been sitting around talking about, we don't understand why all the favor that we've gotten, the best spot at this show. We didn't even know the people, but we got the best possible spot. And all the other folks were coming around saying, why did you guys get this spot? They said, we don't know. They said, we're right by the entrance. And people kept coming by and purchasing and purchasing and purchasing. And said, we've never sold this much product before in our lives. And God just blessed us and blessed us. And then I open up Facebook and see that our church family had been praying for us today. And you know what's really cool is I'm very aware of their situation. I've met with them a lot. I'm not going to go into detail about a lot of that. But when I told them, I said, when I come across your names, I pray, God, bless them financially. Bless their business. Bless what they're doing. And it's just cool to see that God hears you and responds. I love it when he blesses his children. Amen? Now, we've talked a lot about our government over the last several weeks. And I've said a lot of very difficult things. I've said a lot of stuff that's that's been hard to say, um, some things that you know me and you know my heart that I've said very boldly from this pulpit, that stuff that I don't normally talk about. Um, and and I, I know that it was the Lord. I know the Lord was leading me to do that. 
you know, just this last week, I, I'll be honest with you, when I say our government's had, got a reprobate mind and they're giving themselves over to that worldly mindset, there's no doubt. Folks, you, you all know the, uh, uh, the Dalai Lama was in town or is in town in Indianapolis. Did you hear that? Did you know that he spoke for four hours the other day? Four hours the Dalai Lama spoke to a, a coliseum full of onlookers listening and just hanging on every word. Four hours. Can you give me about 40 minutes this morning? Can you do that for me? In his four hours, you know what his topics were? They want to take our guns, man. The Dalai Lama come to the United States and pick up our government's agenda for, for gun control. Go back to where you came from. Bye-bye, Mr. Lama. <laughs> Folks, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I, I hate what happened in Orlando. I hate the shootings, but guns aren't the problem. A lost world, people who have rejected Christ, and, and, and our government is shifting things to try to manipulate our weapons. Amen. And that's, that's, that's wrong. It goes against our Constitution. We'll talk some more about that in a minute. But when I say these kinds of things and I talk about these kinds of things, today's teaching is, is connected to the fact of how do we stand? How has God expected us to stand for righteousness? We've talked about Daniel. We've talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We are going to revisit those things. But this morning I want to start in 1 Peter and we look at verses 17 and 18. And I, I want us to understand today that while the direction of our government currently seems to be dishonorable, we still are called by God to honor our authorities. It creates a conflict in the Christian church for us to stop and think to ourselves, how do I handle myself in this situation? You know, just because somebody has been dishonorable doesn't mean that it gives us some kind of a right and a privilege to be rude, to be disobedient, to lash out. I've said some really bold things, but I haven't done anything. You know what I'm saying? We, we've got to make sure that as a pastor's teaching and shaking and waking us up, that we still have to deal with things according to kingdom principles. Everybody say kingdom principles. Kingdom. We're going to read a kingdom principle. You ready? 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Show proper respect to everyone. Everybody say everyone. everyone. Everybody you come into contact with, every person you see, everybody you talk to, doesn't matter who they are, big, small, special, not important, common, whatever it is, you speak to them and treat them with R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I don't know. That wasn't in my notes. Respect. Respect. Don't give me that approval, Greg. Sakatumi, Sakatumi. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. We show respect to everyone. We love the church. We love the brotherhood of believers. We fear God and we honor the King. We honor the authority over us. We honor 
that which is placed above us because we know God established it. Verse 18, slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Proper respect. It means we obey, means we do things with sincere hearts. It means we serve as though we're serving the Lord. We pray for them. That's proper respect. You know, somebody said to me, Pastor, you know, I, I, don't have, I don't know about this whole harsh thing. That's, maybe that means something other than harsh, like I think of it. But, but you know, the Greek word is actually scoliosis, which is the term, scolios, which is the term we use today to, to refer to the back disorder, spine disorder called scoliosis. And the true meaning of what is here in the Greek means crooked, perverse, wicked, unfair, and, and uh, froward, tyrannical, unjust, dishonest, cruel, unreasonable. And it's saying that we submit and we show respect to those who are unreasonable, dishonest, dishonest, tyrannical, people that are crooked and perverse. I've already established that the agendas of our government in a lot of ways, not in every aspect, but there are a few agendas of our government that are purposeful and there are some things that have been crooked and perverse. We've seen how Daniel and how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have stood in the face of the perversion where they were in their situation. And today, I just want to kind of, I want to kind of recap that. I want to deal with it, unpack it a little bit, and help us to understand how we stand. Where is the line, Pastor, of obedience? And where is the line of, of respect and honor? And still being able to respect and honor God. Well, I'll give you a clue. When I drove to church today, I drove the speed limit. Right? Just because I don't agree with a few of the government's agendas doesn't mean that I break all the laws that the government has in place. It doesn't give me a license to be a lawbreaker. Amen? Amen? So we need to keep that in mind. Let's look here. You know, what, we have, what we've seen from Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that they feared God, just like this said, this kingdom principle. They feared God. They honored the king, even though he was harsh. You say, hey, he was harsh. Yeah, these, these young men were taken out of their nation. They were carried off to a foreign nation. And they were put under a king who was harsh. And this passage of scripture, Daniel 1.19, follow with me on the screen if you will, says the king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service and every matter of wisdom and understanding about what the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. I can tell you this that they did not find favor in the kingdom by being rude, by being arrogant, by being uh, hateful, by being somebody that, that, that was not obedient or compliant with the things of the king. I can promise you that nobody gets exalted or raised up in a kingdom with a bad attitude. Amen? He'll say, off with their head. So I can tell you that their attitudes were good and we see it further when Nebuchadnezzar was ready to kill them, a harsh king to kill them multiple times. But, but look how they spoke to him. Daniel uh, chapter 2 verse 16, at this Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Daniel, who had had this king have a bad dream and then he wanted to kill everybody because they couldn't tell him the dream and then interpret it. Daniel says, you know, I'm going to ask. Daniel went through the avenues that were laid out for him and his rights within that kingdom to be able to approach the king and ask. Folks, it's okay for us to maneuver in our government through the avenues of voting and petitioning and doing the things that, that, that are there in place for us to do. Those things are okay. 
It's okay to do things within the lines of the law that's established. Amen? And Daniel did that thing. He went with respect. He made a petition. And then we know that when he had the dream, he saw the dream in the, in the, uh, and he had the vision and he had the interpretation of it. He went to the king and said, Oh, king, can I, can I, he went to the guy, followed the, the, the gentleman in that took him, and then he asked the king if he could give him the interpretation. Folks, he referred to him as O King, which was an honorable reference to a king that had just been threatening to kill him, his friends, and everybody else that was a, a wise man in the day. He spoke to him with honor, he spoke to him with respect, and he gave to him what God had intended to give to him. He didn't come in and say, you lying, murderer man, you, this is what God says to you. He didn't do that. He went in with love and he gave the revelation that the Lord had given him to give. Folks, this attitude, this understanding, even with a very harsh, disrespectful king, I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they refused to obey to bow down. In Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, listen to how they spoke to him. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and He will rescue us from your hand, O King. But even if He does not, we want you to know, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Daniel uh, was not there at that moment. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, You know, I I hear you, King, but I'm not going to bow. Look how they did it. They spoke again with with reverence, O King. They didn't say, you worthless human being to set yourself up as a god. God Himself will strike you dead if you don't humble yourself before Him. And I will not bow. I mean, you don't see that. They just said, look, whatever happens, happens. If we die, we die. But our God is able to save us. Very humble, very submissive, yet honoring God. See, there comes that point with each one of these situations, each one of these scenarios, also with Daniel, we see this the same point with Daniel when he refuses to pray to the king, King Darius at that point, and the king has him thrown because of his decree into the lion's den. Listen to how Daniel sounds when he comes out of the lion's den. O king, in Daniel 6, O king, live forever. What? How many of us, if our, if our, our government threw us into a prison full of lions because we were praying to our God, would come out saying, O King, live forever. We've got to capture this principle, this kingdom principle of, of respect and reverence. Everybody say respect and reverence. respect and reverence. These things are very important if we are going to operate. Now, here's the line. You ready for the line? Anything that the government would have us to do that defies God, we stand firm, we stand with respect, and we politely disagree. It's that simple. We have a tendency to want to fight things in the natural and and behave in a bad way. But folks, with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they politely disagreed. Matter of fact, Daniel didn't even speak a word before they threw him in the lion's den. Didn't even defend himself. He knew he was guilty according to the decree. Didn't care. I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to bow down to your gods. Folks, for me, for, for the agendas of our culture today, I'm not, if, if they came and knocked on my door tomorrow, I have, I have some registered weapons, and if they wanted to come and take my registered guns tomorrow, I would hand them to them. I would not like it, 
But the right to bear arms is not a biblical principle. That's in the Constitution. And the Bible supersedes that by telling me to submit to the authorities and obeying the law. Whether I own a gun or not doesn't come between me and Christ. It's just a personal right that our government has given us up to this point. Everybody nod your heads and agree because that is the truth. Preacher, I'm going to bury my guns in the backyard. Listen, are you a believer in Jesus Christ or are you not a believer in Jesus Christ? If the law changed, I would give them my guns. Now, you say, okay, what about the other laws? Any law that's changed, any law that's set in place that stands before God, that defies God for who He is, I will stand strong against and I will not be moved. And whatever law, whatever uh, punishment, whether it be a fine or it be uh, jail time, whatever it be, so be it. God can deliver me or I'll go through it. I will not bow to your God. Laws like what? One we talked about was gay marriage. If the government came in here tomorrow and told me that I had to marry gay couples, do you think that I need to honor that law and that authority by the government? Absolutely not. That is an absolute defiance of God's Word. Very clear. It's a totally different plane, a totally different level from guns, even though I feel like we have a right to bear arms, and I'm not talking about wearing a tank top. I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about something that defies God. I will stand on that and I will say, I, I, I hear you, but I respectfully disagree and I will not bow to your idol. Amen. Amen. That's the difference. We're not going to get together a militia. We're not going to build walls around the church and ask people to come in and invite a war. We're just simply going to say, I will not. And they'll say, Mr. Fairchild, if you don't, then we will throw you in jail. And I will say, so be it. That's how we stand. Folks, the same with abortion. If it was somehow forced upon us, I would say absolutely not. It stands in the defiance of God and who He is in the right to life and the Word of God. I, I, God is the creator and the giver of life. That life is innocent. He hates those who shed innocent blood. I would stand very truthful in that and very respectful and reverent and say, I will not. Matter of fact, I was given that option. I had to stand when, when April was pregnant with Alyssa and they suggested that we would abort her because they, were, they figured that there was damage from the issues before and I won't bore you with that. We've talked about it before. I had to stand there and say, and we had this conversation, said God's going to take the baby. I will not take the baby. Folks, sometimes we have to stand in reverence and respect for truth. We don't have to get a bunch of signs. We don't have to yell and scream. We don't have to make a bunch of threats. We don't have to act like the world. Here's the problem. The church today feels like we have to react to everything like the world reacts. Listen, we live, we are a part of a kingdom that is above this world. We don't need to react in our flesh. Remember what Jesus said when he was standing before Pilate in John 18, 36? My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is not... Not, my kingdom is from another place. Remember what Peter did? He had the sword and he comes up when they come to take Jesus. He pulls it out and tries to cut off somebody's head and hits their ear and takes the ear instead. And Jesus rebukes him. Why? Because Jesus in the garden said, Peter, watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. What was the temptation in the sin of Peter? The fact that he reacted in his flesh. 
Folks, the church needs to be watching and praying so that we don't react in our flesh. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Why? Because if we were, we would come and fight and release me. But it's different than that. Folks, we have to stand firm. We have to stand for truth. We have to stand with respect for our authorities. We need to pray for our authorities. Amen? And then trust God with the results. He'll fight for us. He'll do a work for us. You know, we run the risk of being tempted to react in our flesh. But I want to encourage you with this. How do I stay calm in the midst when I, when I see things taking on a different face and picture? How, how, how am I supposed to handle it when our government gets more and more intrusive all the time? And these young people that keep asking for socialism, they don't even know what they're asking for. Government's got its hands in enough stuff, and when you go socialism, buddy, they're in all of it. And folks, we need to be careful and cautious because as our government is shifting and changing and moving that direction, how do we react and how do we stay encouraged? We remember that God can use harsh leaders to develop godly character. God can use harsh leaders to do something in our lives. You see, you don't believe me? Well, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I told you a little over a year ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, The purification of the church in America has begun. And since that time, we've seen a lot of changes, and we've seen some things that have made believers unsettled and uneasy about a few things. But folks, well, don't you see that even, even that little bit of testing, even that little bit of change, seeing what's coming down the pipe, has already begun to shift and move and wake people up in their faith. Don't you realize that even harsh leadership, people that have been raised up under harsh leadership, have, have been some of the most amazing men and women of God? We, we get so afraid of, of harsh conditions, but, but listen, God may bless us with some harshness here in, in the good old United States of America. Remember that Samuel was raised up under an Eli. Eli was a harsh, wicked priest who let his sons uh, fornicate at the temple and everything else and wouldn't correct them. Godless man. Yet underneath him was a Samuel that was raised up to lead. Think of David. And King Saul, and Saul pursuing and persecuting David for years and years and years, for a decade or more, and, and David running. He had two chances where he could have killed Saul. Get this. He could have killed Saul. Two chances. He could have ended his test. He could have ended his suffering. He could have ended it for himself. One was in a cave, and we know that David cut off a corner of his, of his robe, 1 Samuel 24, verses 5-7. through seven. Afterwards, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. The other one we see is when David finds Saul sleeping in 1 Samuel 26, verses 8-10. through 10, Abishai said to David, Today God has given your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of my spear. I won't strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, Don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, The Lord himself will strike him. Either his time will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. David had faith and confidence 
and knew the power of God and the anointing that was on his life and said, I don't have to touch this. I I need to do what God has called me to do, and that is to honor those who are over me as though they, they they are the anointed of God. Even though God had removed the Spirit from him, even though God had removed his anointing from Saul, he was still in that position. And David said, I'm going to honor him and I'm going to revere him, even though he pursues me to kill me. Man, that is hard to take. That is hard for us to understand. David did not react in his flesh except to cut off a corner of his robe so that he could show Saul, I could have killed you today, but I chose not to. Taking his spear so that they could see that he had been there. Folks, listen. We need to be people of honor and respect for our, for our, our governing authorities. We don't fight the police. We don't fight those in authority over us. We show honor and respect until they tell us we can't pray to our God or we have to bow to their godless agenda that separates us from our God. And even then, we don't fight. We stand firm and we say, I respectfully decline. I will not bow to your God. I will not pray to you, O King. Folks, this is important for us because, get this, Two, two quick, two more things. Persecution handled properly will lead to the miraculous. We've been talking about the miraculous. We've been talking about signs and wonders. Uh, there's going to be some persecution involved. And we've got to handle it right to see the right thing. Think about it. Again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Had they not actually gone into the furnace, we wouldn't have seen the miracle. Correct? If David hadn't have gone into the lion's den, we wouldn't have seen the miraculous. So we have to understand that it's got to be handled right, in the right way, at the right moment. First Peter again, look at it again. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Submit yourselves, your masters, with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. In Peter's day, Peter wrote this, okay? In Peter's day, King Herod Agrippa I was over him. And when Peter wrote that, you say, Pastor, I just don't know if I can grasp this because, you know, the mean old government did this, this, and this. Let's, let's talk about what Herod Agrippa did to Peter. Let's talk about what he did to his friends. When you look in Acts chapter 12, it's on the screen, verses 1 through 3. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This guy comes in during a religious feast, a time of celebration, a time of worship, and he starts to persecute and kill believers. Sounds like a good man, doesn't it? Sounds like a great government that I'd want to show honor and respect to. This guy killed Peter's friend and then pursued Peter and threw him in jail. How did the church react? With prayer. They didn't go try to bust Peter out. They they weren't lined up outside of the palace with signs yelling and screaming and fighting and arguing. They weren't doing anything, they they went to God and said, God, and God delivered Peter. Why is it that Peter could write such a thing as to honor harsh government? Because somehow he did it. He defied them in the sense that he wouldn't shut up and he wouldn't stop speaking about God. He wouldn't dishonor God. 
But he wasn't irreverent, mean. He wasn't aggressive towards the king or towards the soldiers or anyone else. He just simply would go out and speak the name of Jesus and they didn't like it. He continued with Christ. The church prayed and the miraculous happened. This is a common thing that we see through the book of Acts. How can you forget about Paul and Silas worshiping at midnight and the ground being shaken and the foundations being shaken? Folks, listen. It, yes, some, some harshness is going to happen. Some persecution is going to happen. But God is faithful and He's going to see us through it and He's going to do a work in the midst of it all. Doesn't give us a license to be hateful, disobedient, or to become lawless. You know, when I look out across the crowd, I see all of you, and I just know some of you got that lawless spirit inside of you. You just can't wait. <laughs> just waking you up a little bit, folks. <laughs> Lastly, this morning, standing before a godless people. It's one thing to stand before a government or an authority. Listen, if you, I don't care whether you like our president or not. If you were invited into the White House, and you walk into the Oval Office, and he's sitting behind his desk... And, and sees you and stands up to greet you, uh, how are you going to react? Seriously? You're not as bold in the president's Oval Office as you are on Facebook, are you? You know what I'm saying? Well, you worthless... You're going to show respect and reverence because he's the president of the United States. And it's an honor to be in that office. It's easy to show respect to people in authority, even if you don't feel like you respect them. I think where the church gets in trouble sometimes is we don't catch the first part of that principle is, is to show proper respect to everyone. You know, when it's saying that, it means not only the President of the United States, but also the teenage kid that's just trying to earn minimum wage for the summer at the drive through window that just got your order wrong. I told you I didn't want any pickles on this sandwich. I said, April, they're doing the best they can. <laughs> Honey, just, just take the top off and throw the pickles out. But it's got juice and I can smell and taste the juice. <laughs> Lord, protect me. <laughs> she always says, you want my pickle? <laughs> Go to Schroeder's. They always put pickles on them, and she don't like pickles. And, and you know, Schroeder's, they put, them, they put them in the little plastic bag in the sandwiches, like slimy feeling. It's like perfect. I don't know why it's so good, but it is. And, then, and it's got the pickles in there, and she always knows there's going to be two pickles on there. And she said, you want my pickles? And I said, I'll take your pickles. <laughs> Cute. We were on a little date the other day, and we, we ate at Schroeder's. I said, you want my pickles? I'll take your pickles. What in the world was I talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> we were talking about uh, pickles. And, uh, no, we, I know exactly what we were talking about. We were talking about the fact that people have a tendency to respect people in authority more than they do the common man. And, and we get attitudes and so on and so forth. Listen, I, I've been offended by people before. And I know I've offended people before. But, but people aren't going to have the same stance Probably some of the people in this room don't have the exact same stance that I have on some of the things that I've talked about. I get that. Um, I'm pretty bold as your pastor. It's my job to get up and preach and teach these things. 
Uh, please, I hope you always understand that I do love people, and uh, my goal is that all people would come to know Christ. But when we deal with people on a day-to-day basis, we need to make sure that through this time, if the Lord's going to minister to us and through us and in, in, in these times of testing and trial, that we make sure that we speak to everyone that we come into contact with with reverence and respect. Jesus told the disciples this in Luke 12, verses 11 and 12. When you were brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about what you will defend yourselves or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Folks, you know, a lot of times we're not very prayerful about what we should say to people and about how would we react to people. Uh, you know, we're more concerned about how we might speak to an authority. Uh, but the truth of the matter is this. God wants to lead our daily conversations. And if we're going to go speak to somebody and we're going to go minister to somebody, we need to do it in love. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit being used for the common good. Common good. That means for just good in anybody. It's not for me. It's not for my glory. It's not for my... For my uh, pat on the back, we talked a couple weeks ago about if we're going to break Babylon, if we're going to work in this culture of Babylon, that we have to operate in the prophetic. We have to operate in the gifts. We've got to, how, Pastor, how do I deal with people that I see every day and maintain an attitude of respect and reverence and honor? How do I do that? Well, first of all, don't go speak to somebody about Christ until you've talked to Christ about them first. You need, to, you need to be weeping over people in prayer. You need to be crying out to God over people in prayer. That person at work that, that's, that's kind of hard and they take a very liberal stance on things that don't line up with what you believe, listen, you're not going to change them through an angry argument. You're going to change them by example and with an attitude of love for them to see the truth in your life. And the only way you're going to have that is to first have that in your spirit through prayer and petition to God on their behalf. That's the only way that that's going to work. And it's got to begin there. If it doesn't begin there, anything you do from there on will be a little bit fruitless. Secondly, we need to make sure that we're very clear in what we're saying. Needs to be clear and concise, makes sense. You know what drives me crazy? You can get you can get by with this in the church. You can give a partial revelation to someone. I feel like the Lord's saying this, and in the church you can get by with it because people are in the mindset of Christ and we're looking. You know, we're looking. But man, if you're going to go out and you're going to speak to somebody that's absolutely lost and doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Don't go speak to them in riddles and mysteries. Please don't do that. Make sure it's clear. Daniel, as example, with King Nebuchadnezzar, once he got the dream, he also had the interpretation, and he went and he spoke the dream, and then he gave the interpretation and was very clear to the king about what it was. Folks, in the same way, if we're going to break Babylon, we can't use flaky, stupid, weird gifts. We need to make sure we're using the gifts of the Spirit. It's going to line up with the Word. It's going to line up with an attitude of love and graciousness. Acts, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about how if we aren't going to operate in the gifts with an attitude and spirit of love, then we're like a clanging cymbal or a sounding gong. It's obnoxious. Kevin, when he was in fifth grade, wanted to play percussion. What did they give him? The bells. Ding! 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 He'd set them right up in his door where he could see down the hall and see me sitting on my couch. Ding! 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 And then after a while he'd go, ring, ding, 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 ding. He's like, are you practicing? Ding! Ding! 
obnoxious by itself. But when you put it with the orchestra, which a fifth grade orchestra is something else, folks, but it took on a musical purpose and it sounded better. It's like, eh, I hear it now. That sounds familiar. <laughs> folks, listen, if, if you're trying to do the ministry without loving people, you're obnoxious. Stop it. I know we've talked about that before, but you've got to love people. It's got to be full of, of compassion. It's got to be full of mercy. And it's got to be clear. The second part of being clear is, is be careful not to use churchisms, churchy words. Now, I know some are saying, well, what are churchy words? I don't believe I use churchy words. You do. We all do. And, and, and I, I had a friend who was an alcoholic and, and many years ago called me with a gun to his head and said, I'm done. And I went and found him, and we drove around together for a little bit. I was driving. But we ended up out here, and and, uh, he said, oh, great, you're pulling from the church. I said, I want to tell you about my Savior. And I began to tell him and talk with him about how God can set him free, and I started using church words. I can't even remember what all of them were now. He's like, see, I I don't get that. What does that even mean? What's that mean? What's this mean? What's that mean? I mean, I bet as I talked to him, I bet I used about six or seven different words. He's like, I don't even get that. What are you talking about? It's easy to do. So if we're going to minister to somebody who needs Jesus, we need to make sure that we can talk with them in a language they understand. We can dumb down our testimony and the gospel very simple to very simple terms terms and explain it to them very clearly so that they can know and hear the truth. Secondly, thirdly, consider timing. Timing is everything. One thing, I know this may be hard for you to believe, one thing I've learned as a pastor is to be patient. Sometimes you may see a situation that needs addressed. Sometimes uh, the Lord may give you a word for somebody that you want to encourage them with. And, and, and it's like, okay, Lord, what do I do? It's 10 o'clock at night. Do I run over to the house and beat on the door? Not the right timing. Will not be received. Scripture even talks about that. We need to wait for the timing of God. If you're going to speak to somebody, be patient. Don't force things. When people start forcing conversations, lost people get uncomfortable, nervous, and upset and frustrated. But if we're patient, we allow it to come to us and we allow the Spirit of God to open doors for us. I remember one time the Lord gave me a word for somebody and I hadn't seen him for like two and a half months. And when I saw him, I'm like, oh, finally I can get this thing off my chest. But it was just as fresh that day as it was two and a half months before when the Lord spoke it to me. And it was effective. You don't have to be afraid. If it's a true word from God, from him to you, to someone else. You don't have to force it. You're not going to forget about it. He's going to allow you to do it in time and in the right season. Sometimes we say the wrong thing. We, we try to say the right thing at the wrong time. Remember in the book of Acts, the lady, that, uh, the, lady the young girl that followed uh, Paul and Silas around and kept saying, this is, uh, these are the men of God. They've got the message of God. These are the men of God. And finally, Paul turned around and cast the devil out of her. Well, she was saying the right thing. She was saying it at the wrong time and with the wrong spirit. You've got to say it with the right spirit in the right time. Lastly, have some manners about yourself. Amen? Have some manners. Be a gentleman. Be a lady. Take care of yourself. Clean yourself. Comb your hair. If you have some. Brush your teeth. 
if you have some. You know, clean yourself, make yourself presentable. And, and speak to people with respect. Show respect to yourself and show respect to them. You know, it goes a long way. Don't treat people like them. Don't grab them. Don't push them. Don't, don't listen. We get away with a lot of stuff in church. An evangelist, you can see an evangelist is going places and they'll be like, power of God, bam, and hit somebody. And they fall down. Everybody in the church gets up and praises God. You do that at the grocery store. Somebody's going to jail. <laughs> Preacher, all I did was pray for somebody. Would you pray for me to get out of jail? All I did was pray. Dude, you punched them in the chest. <laughs> I'm not praying for you to get out of jail. You, you deserve to be there. Have some respect. Don't demand people around. I think, I think, I think that uh, Pentecostals have fallen into that trap of, of boldness. Boldness. Be bold in God. And so we've, we've done a lot of foolish things that have hurt people under the title of boldness. Listen, boldness doesn't give us a license to be rude. doesn't give us a license to be intrusive. Amen? Amen. Is this okay for a teaching? Amen. I just feel like it's appropriate. It doesn't give us the right to demand, push, pull, shove, you sit down and listen to me. You, I mean, none of that nonsense. We, that's not boldness. That's ignorance. That's selfishness. That's being self-consumed to think that you have established yourself above someone. Absolutely not. We don't come to people like this. We come to them like this. Hear me? We don't come to them from above them. We come to them from below. Jesus didn't make Himself God even though He could, yet He humbled Himself as a servant. We come, if you want to give a powerful word, you come like like Daniel did to the king, very humbly, when he asked if he could approach. May I? See, some of us think that because it's a king, that's why we have to ask. Absolutely not. It doesn't matter who it is. We show proper respect to all people. And if somebody is valuable enough to God for him to give a word to them from you, then you ask to approach them. May I, can I, can I talk to you for just a minute, please? Would it bother you if I spoke with you for a moment? I just, there's something on my heart. And I could be off, but I just feel like God's saying this has a totally different term than, come here, God says. But yet Pentecost, we celebrate the second one and not the first one. We celebrate the boldness. When you can do the ha at the end of your words, your spiritual ha. God wants normal people, common people, to minister to common people with reverence and respect and empower with an attitude of humility and says, can I, can I speak with you for just a moment? Honor. Reverence. And it's amazing how God flows through those things. God flowed through it when they showed honor and respect to a harsh king and miraculous things took place. God will flow through reverence again and respect again on one-on-one common relationships with people if we will show respect, reverence, and we come to them and we speak to them in power. God will move, the miraculous will take place. You don't have to pray for hours. Jesus said, be healed. John said, I don't have silver and gold to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. 
We try to make everything so big and flamboyant and spiritual. We're as bad as Pharisees with our, with our phylacteries and robes. We, we, we hide behind these big prayers. Oh God! Ha! I believe! I believe! I believe! Well, the only reason we're saying I believe is to try to get ourselves to believe something. Just go up and believe and say, God, this is your son, this is your daughter. You see the need. Moved by your Holy Spirit. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Boom. Nobody got punched. Nobody got spit on. Nobody got thrown around the room. Folks, we need to operate in these things, in this kingdom principle of respect to everyone. Even if a government is harsh, even if they legislate some some things that we don't like, we stand for truth when the time is necessary. But even then, we stand with reverence, we stand with respect and say, O king, I will not bow to your idol. And then we move on and everybody we see deserves respect and we treat them with honor, we treat them with respect and we allow God to move through those things. This sums up this whole thing that we've been talking about for five weeks. Yes, we live in Babylon. Yes, there's some situations going on. God's going to move in a mighty way. Revivals are springing up all over the place. Here is going to be another one. It's going to happen. Signs and wonders are going to take place. But when they do, child of God, make sure that you act with reverence, respect, and honor to everyone, even when the government doesn't approve. Amen? Amen? Do we got that this morning? See, you're so used to me preaching and yelling and everybody saying amen the whole time. I come down here and teach and people are like, what's going on? Where's our pastor? Well, your pastor's going to let you out 15 minutes early today. How about that? How about that? You bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness, God. I have spoken what you have laid on my heart. And God, I ask that you would continue to prepare us for your outpouring. I pray, God, that we would see more signs and wonders, God. We would see and hear about more answered prayer. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a meek, gentle spirit humble, that we would come below others, Father. We would come with a servant's heart and that we would speak love. We would speak truth. We would speak your message. And God, that we would walk away seeing lives transformed and changed. You are good. Thank you. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not serving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want you to know something. He loved you so much that he went to a cross and laid his life down for you. Suffered unbelievable punishment at his own will, at his own desire, allowing himself to stay awake through all of it, allowing himself not to take any kind of a pain reliever, any kind of a narcotic that was offered. Received the full punishment that you deserved. And he loves you enough to take that and to open his arms at this time and say, will you be my child? Will you be my daughter? Will you be my son? If you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't serve the Lord as my Savior. I've never surrendered my life to Him. Today is the day of salvation. Today is an opportunity. And I just want to give you that opportunity. If you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, just simply lift up your hand. We want to 
introduce you to a loving Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Lord, you're so faithful. Isn't there a sweet presence in this room this morning? Gosh, he is so good. Father, I pray that this presence that we've experienced here this morning would go with us. God, that you would send us out in the power of your love and your strength. That you place your name on these homes and every individual in this place, God, that you would bless them, that you'd be gracious to them, Father. That you would shine upon them your love, your mercy, your goodness. We receive it today, Father. And we go in the honor, we go in the honor and the respect that we have for you. And Lord, we extend that toward others. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.